And I just think, you know, God's mysterious. And, and I want to be a peculiar Christian. Amen. I want, you know what peculiar means? It means kind of odd. Amen. To, hear, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus was odd because he walked on water. Uh, he, he did uh, miraculous things. And I've heard people tell me, Jesus was the greatest teacher that ever lived. But everything he taught is outdated now. And I say, oh my goodness, if it's outdated, then he couldn't have been much of a teacher. Amen. Especially if he knew all things. I'm going to tell you this right now. God is saying to us to stand and be mighty and be a fortress in this last day to have the joy of the Lord and to have peace that passeth understanding. Jesus said, peace I give unto you that, that the world cannot give. Isn't that wonderful? God's good. Amen. In a little while, we'll talk a little bit of business, but right now, can we go to the Word of God for a few minutes? Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Can you hear me okay without me having a microphone in my hand? Because I have a tendency to have a loud anyway. Uh, I'm one of those guys that I don't necessarily need a microphone unless there's hearing difficulties. Can you hear me? Then we'll hold the microphone. I can also accommodate when I need to. That's no problem. Can you hear now? Yeah, I want Doris to be able to hear me back there. I might say something that she'll say amen to. Amen. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to open with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Our text today is the next to the last verse in the Bible. The very next to the last verse in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And I want to read verse number 22. And the word declares, and, and please just keep your Bible open to that because I'm going to preach entirely from these words of Scripture. And I want you to be able to follow with me as we look at this verse of Scripture. And the word of God declares there, he who testifies to these things says. Now in my Bible, the next words are in red, which means they're spoken by Jesus. I want to affirm to you that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to this last day church. If you go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 17, you find there Jesus saying, I am he who was alive and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And so in Revelation 1 17, we find Jesus saying, this is my revelation. I'm sending it through the revelator, but these are the things that I want the church to understand in the last days. And so the Bible said, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Now I could preach right there on the, on the, on the subject of I am, and we could talk about Jesus. But he said, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. And then the revelator responded, amen. Mm -hmm. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and we give you praise and honor for who you are and for all you have done. And I ask you, Father, in the coming moments that you would touch me to speak your word into the lives of this people. And Father, I ask you that this morning they would have a spirit and that they would have ears to hear what the spirit would say to the church. Let this be an encouraging word. Let this be an instructing word. Let it be a faith building word today 
if necessary, Lord. Let it be a convicting word whereby that you draw sinners or backsliders to you. I ask you, Father, today that the word would be a, a seed that is sown upon prepared ground. And let there be a harvest because the word and the spirit are at work today in the lives of individuals. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you say praise the Lord? You may be seated. It was back in April of 2020, so a little over a year ago, about a year and a quarter ago, as COVID shutdowns were really beginning to take hold of the nation, that uh, I was going through somewhat of a time of concern, worry, anxiety, if you would, as to what was going to happen uh, to the churches here in northern New England. I, we have 33 churches here in our specific region. Most of our churches are very small churches, averaging maybe 25 or less people or 50 or less people. And as the shutdowns began, I was concerned what's going to happen to our pastors if people can't go to church, if they don't go to church, if they don't continue to tithe, our pastors that, that need that additional income may do without, how are they going to make it? I was concerned about local churches, that, that if people are not there, uh, will the church be able to survive? Will bills be able to pay? Lord, what's, what's going to happen over, these, over this, this time? We had no way of knowing it was going to last as long as it did. But, but I had somewhat anxiety about what was going to happen to the church. And over about April, I traveled back to Carolina and was actually at home when, when this happened. But I remember that weeks and weeks I'd been concerned about how we were going to survive and, and get through the anxiety of COVID. And I remember that one particular morning that while I was still not awake, I, I, and I have trouble understanding if it was a dream that I was having or if I was in that place between really being asleep and awake, that, that the Lord began to deal with me. And it was before I ever opened my eyes awake that I was hearing this verse of scripture in my mind, I am coming quickly. Yeah. And I would hear the response of the revelator, amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And over and over and over in my spirit, that was being rehearsed before I ever opened my eyes. And I've got to tell you that when I opened my eyes that morning, it was the first time in weeks that I had really uh, awakened to a sense of encouragement and a sense of hope. The Lord was speaking to me that, that I'm still in control, I'm, I'm still on the throne, and the promises that I've made are yea and amen. Don't, don't get your eyes upon all the negative things that are taking place in the world today, but, but keep your eyes on me knowing that, that I am coming quickly. Yeah. And I woke up that morning yeah. for the first time in weeks really encouraged of the Lord. I remember that morning that, that I woke up so encouraged and this word was so strong uh, on, on my heart and in my mind that, that I went immediately to my office, to my study. I have a study in my house and, and I just opened my Bible 
to this verse of scripture. And I read it over and again, and I prayed, and I meditated, and, and, and things began to come to my heart, and I began to run other references, and the Lord began to reveal some things to me that morning uh, about the day in which we're living, and how this verse of scripture applies to, to where we're living now. Now, some things that I became acutely aware of while I was meditating before the Lord is that he, one of them is this, is that indeed we are living in desperate days. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that we are in the last days, and it goes on to say that the last days perilous times will come. Well, I want you to understand today that even as a person who is encouraged in the Lord, even as a person who has hope in the Lord, I understand that these are desperate times in which we're living. But I want to submit to the church today that these are desperate times in which we're living simply because in 2020, COVID hit the world. You see, I want you to understand that even before COVID, even before a global pandemic, that we were already living in the last days, that we were already living in desperate times. Before all of the stuff we hear on the news today, before all of the messages we get from the CDC and the World Health Organization, before all of this stuff, the anarchy that we see on the television, we were already living in the last days. There was already apostasy. There was already departure from the faith. Yeah. And so what I want you to understand is that even when we read this message about the coming of the Lord, we have to understand that these are desperate days. They are last days. But on top of that, I became keenly aware that these are also biblically informed days. When I say that, what I want you to understand is what is taking place in the world today because we are believers, because we are people of the book. These days do not catch us unaware. As a matter of fact, the Bible says numerous times throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, I would not have you ignorant brethren. Now, the one we like the best is when he says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep. And he begins to talk about the resurrection and, and the rapture of the church. But when we read those words, I would not have you ignorant, it means that the Lord has already given us the information that we need to understand the times that we're in and to be prepared to live victoriously in the time that we are in. And here is what we need to understand. When we look at what's taking place in the world today, when we turn on the, the scenes, the visual images on the news of, of cities burning, of buildings burning, of, of mass shootings, when we turn on the, the, the images and it talks about, you know, the Antifa riots and, and BLM riots and it, and it talks about the, 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 the issues that are taking place, the COVID that is taking place in the world. You see what the word wants us to understand is when you see these things come to pass, lift up your heads because you know that your redemption draweth nigh. 
And so when we see all the things taking place in the world today, it is signaling us as the church that we are standing on the threshold of the greatest event in history, and that is the return of Jesus Christ for his church. Would you say amen? But not only do we know that these are desperate times and they're biblically informed times, but if the last year and a half has done anything, it has shown us that it is a redefining time. A time where that our faith is being redefined. A time where that our commitment in God is really being defined. We look at what has been taking place in the world today and, and we see the demographers tell us that because of COVID and all the things that are taking place, that, that post-COVID, of course, we're having another uptick right now, but post-COVID, they said that approximately only 60 to 70% of people that attended church prior to COVID will actually return back to church. In other words, there would be a large group of people that would never again go back to the house of God because they got out of the habit of going to the house of God or because they formed new habits other than the house of God or because they let fear take control of their lives instead of their faith. Well, what's that, what it, that is doing? It is letting us know that God is trying the church and redefining the church. The Word of God tells us that, that, that our faith is going to be tried as by fire. And when our faith is tried as by fire, there are going to be those that shine like gold. They're going to be pure. They're going to be known for their goods. They're going to be known for their righteousness. They're going to be known that they're a people of God. But when that fire comes, it will also burn away the dross. Now you say, preacher, I don't like to hear messages like that, but I want you to understand it's, it's not necessarily my language because the Word of God teaches us that if judgment begin at the house of God, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? When we look at what's taking place today, we need to understand that it could just very well be a part of the judgment of God. It could very well be a part of the plan of God to get his church ready, to get his bride ready, because he is about to come again. Would you say amen? So these are desperate times. They are biblically informed times. They are times of, of redefining who is a people of God. You see, I want you to understand there is a difference between a church groupie and a follower of Christ. And what we have learned over the last year and a half is that there were people that were just going to church because they felt like, well, I was raised in the church, and I don't want mom and dad to get on to me, so I better show up at the church. There are people that were going to church because they said, well, I enjoy the music. It's the cheapest entertainment I can get for the week. 
There are some that went to church because they said, well, I like the dynamic preacher, so I'm going to show up at church. There were some that were going to church because they said, well, that's my social clique. It's where I get together with my friends. But what's happened is that the faith is being redefined. And I want you to understand that those who will stand for Jesus Christ in the middle of the fire are being shown to be as pure gold. May God bless the people that say it doesn't matter what I hear on the news. It doesn't matter what I see on the news. It doesn't matter what's happening in the rest of the world. I have my feet established upon the solid rock Christ Jesus and on him I am going to stand. Hallelujah. Well, that day the Lord just really did some work in me as I looked at that verse of scripture and it, I found it amazing that it was the book of Revelation 22 that was just in my heart that day. You know, there's a lot of people that, that are a little bit afraid of the book of Revelation. Oh, yeah. You know, they, 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 don't, they don't like to read Revelation because they say it's hard to understand. They read the book of Revelation and they say, well, I don't understand about these beasts. And I don't understand about all them thrones. And I don't understand all of those beings that have all those eyes. I don't understand... All that stuff in the book of Revelation, it's, it's kind of spooky, kind of difficult to deal with. But when you get right down to it, there's nothing spooky about the book of Revelation. There's nothing that mysterious about the book of Revelation. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation can be boiled down to one question. The entire book, all 22 chapters, can be boiled down to one question. And here's the question. Who is going to sit on the throne? And that's the question. And that has been the battle throughout all the ages. Who is going to sit on the throne? Ever since Satan, a musician, tried to usurp and set his throne above the throne of God. That's been the battle of the ages. Who is going to sit upon the throne? And when we look at what's going on in the world today and the trying of faith that people are going through, it's still the question, who's going to sit on the throne of heaven? And who is going to sit on the throne of your hearts? Revelation 22, 20 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. You know, when I'm reading a book, and I get towards the about the first quarter of it, if it's kind of dragging a little bit, I like to go to the end of the book. I'll jump over to the last chapter and read the last chapter. The last chapter is good. I'll go back and read the rest of the book and see how they got there because, you know, I'm interested. I want to find out what ultimately is going to happen. I want you to know this morning I didn't preach anything until almost the last verse of Revelation because I wanted us to skip to the back of the book and I'm just going to give you the secret. When everybody else is wondering who is in control, who is going to rule and who is going to reign and who is going to be true, we go to Revelation 22 and 20 and it said I am coming quickly and we know that means that Jesus is on the throne and he is in control of every Everything that is going on in this world today, would you say amen? Why don't you give the Lord a clap off of praise because you love him? Well, let's look at it real quick. I, I, I have a tendency to be long with it, so I'm going to try not to be long with it. 
But I want us to look at that verse of scripture. I want us to really hear and understand because I believe it's going to build faith today. I believe it's going to encourage your hope today. Jesus said, surely I am coming quickly. And the revelator responded, amen. amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. Now I want to begin with that first word, surely. It's real easy to jump over that word because it just seems not really important. But when Jesus said surely, he was saying, I am giving to you a guarantee. I want to enforce upon your mind and upon your spirit that this is going to happen and nothing can stop this from happening. Surely I am coming quickly. This is my guarantee. I want you to understand I trust the word of the Lord. It said the word of God said the grass withers and the flower fadeth away, but the word of God stands forevermore. I remember that when the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the Sanhedrin, when they sent officers of the temple out to follow Jesus, they wanted them to listen to every word that Jesus said because they were hoping they could find him in a lie. And sometime later, they came back to the Sanhedrin. And the high priest said, well, what have you got against him? And they said, we can't find a thing wrong with anything he said. You mean he hasn't told a lie? You mean he hasn't preached false doctrine? You mean he hasn't preached heresy? And they said, never has a man spoken like this man. When he speaks, all of the power of Almighty God goes into action to make sure it's going to be just as he said it would be. I want the church to know today, you can take it to the bank. Jesus is coming again. Would you say amen? I am coming quickly. I want to tell you something. The fact that you've heard throughout your life that he's coming quickly doesn't mean that he's late. I want you to understand that time with us is different than time with God. But when I look at what's in the world and when I measure it to what's in the Bible, I realize there's not one single thing that keeps our Lord from coming. He could come at any moment. The Word of God said in 1 Corinthians 15, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump of God shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible incorruptible and we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye we go to Matthew 24 44 it says like this therefore be ye also ready for in an hour that you think not the son of man comes he comes with suddenness but he comes with assurance what a promise from the Lord I and coming quickly. I am going to come again. But I want you to listen to this. He also tells us the people for whom he is coming. He actually gives us a description of the people for whom he is coming. Revel excuse me. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8 says it like this that he is coming for them that are looking for him. 
When he comes this next time, he's not coming to bring a sin offering. When he comes this next time, he is coming to redeem those whom he has saved. He is coming for them that are looking for him. Well, I've got a real simple question for you today. Are you looking for the appearing of Jesus Christ? Are you looking for the coming, for the return of Jesus Christ? You know, we've got a lot of people in the church, and I, and I believe that this is why judgment begins at the house of God. I believe this is why there's a departure from the faith. It's because there are people in the church today that are not looking for the coming of the Lord. They're just going through motions. They're just very secular believers in the way that they live their life. They live more according to the dictates of the world and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, the pride of life, more so than they do in the light of God's word. You see, if we are looking for him, it makes a difference in the way we pray. If we are looking for him, it makes a difference in the way we worship. If we are looking for him, it makes a difference in the way that we witness. If we are looking for him, it makes a difference in the way that we tithe and give. If we are looking for him, it makes a difference in the way that we encourage one another. If we are looking for him, it calls upon us to live soberly and righteously and godly in this presence age and he said I am coming for them that are looking for me Thank you, oh and that revelator said amen amen, amen. I've heard preachers preach on that word amen it means so be it it means I am in agreement my lord have mercy you let a preacher get to preaching and let somebody yell, Amen. My Lord, I, I don't want to sound just rough, but that's like throwing slop to a pig. My Lord, that will excite a preacher to death to be preaching and somebody say, Amen. My Lord, if somebody says, Praise the Lord, we almost lose control. But the revelator heard this word of Jesus and he said, Amen. So be it. But there's a, an idea of this amen that sometimes we miss. And it is this, I anticipate it. Not just so be it, but I anticipate it. Surely I am coming quickly. And the revelator said, I anticipate it. I'm living every day. I am longing every day. I am waiting every day to see this promise of Jesus Christ fulfilled. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. My Lord, have mercy. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Have you ever prayed that way before? Have you ever just wanted, you see, I hear the revelator saying, I don't want to be out of the physical presence of my Lord any longer than I have to be. 
I am ready to be in the presence of my Lord. I am ready to see him face to face. I am ready to speak to him face to face. I am ready to walk with him side by side with his physical presence. Oh, yes, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We know that, that his spirit is with us. We know that we are walking with the Lord today. We know that his spirit fills the world and he is everywhere. But I want you to understand there's coming a time when we don't have to worship in the spirit. There is coming a time when we don't have to walk by faith. There is coming a time when that we will see him as he is. We will see him face to face. We will talk to him face to face. We will be able to reach out and touch his hand. We'll be able to walk by his side. We'll be able to touch him and, and him touch us. The revelator said, even so come, Lord Jesus, I am ready to be in your presence. My Lord, sometimes I find myself today praying just like that. Even so come, Lord Jesus. You know, there was a time in my life when I was younger, and young people don't tend to think like this, and by, by the way, I'm not old yet. I am matured. You can tell I am fully rounded, fully grown. But there was a time in my life when I probably wouldn't have prayed like that. There was a time in my life when I was a teenage boy. And I thought, man, I got a lot of living to get done. I'm enjoying life. I want to get married. I want to have young'uns. I want to be in ministry. I want to do this. I want to do that. But, Lord, if you come right now, that's really going to mess up a whole lot of plans I've got. <laughs> Did you know that there's a lot of people that kind of live that way? Yeah. I know here that he's coming, but, man, i got a God of good plans. And if the Lord was to come right now... A lot of those hopes and dreams and aspirations that I have, boy, it would ruin them all. Why would I say even so come, Lord? Lord, just wait a little bit longer. Can I tell you something? I am matured now. And I look at the world that we're living in, and it doesn't resemble the world I lived in when I was a boy. I see the perilous times that we're living in. I see a country that is departing from the ways of God rapidly through our school systems, through our judicial systems, through our government systems. I see false doctrine that is in the church world today. I see through the doctrines of the world inclusion coming into the church that perverts the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I look at my grandchildren especially now. Even my children, but my, my grandchildren especially now. I went to my four-year-old grandson's first soccer game two weeks ago. I loved every minute of it. It was like watching someone trying to herd chickens. It was a mess. But they thought they were playing soccer. 
To them, it was nothing more than glorified kickball, but they were having a time at it. I loved it. In a few weeks, I'll have opportunity to go celebrate my two four-year-old grandchildren's fifth birthday. A few weeks back, I celebrated my youngest grandson's first birthday with a chocolate cake on him and everything. Loved it. And there's so much that lies ahead of them if the world tarries. And a natural inclination is to say, I wonder what it's going to be like when they're this age or, or that age. Because we view it romantically and through the lens of hope. But when I look at the world that we're in today, and I look at my grandchildren, and I look at my children, and I look at them that are to come, I say, my God, if the righteous are scarcely going to be saved in the last days when you appear, Lord, there's not one thing that's ahead for my grandchildren that I want you to delay your coming for. There's not one thing ahead of my children that I want you to delay your coming for. Lord, when it gets right down to it, when you are ready, I have seen enough and I have done enough. When it gets right down to it, my children, my grandchildren, they've seen enough and they can have done enough. So Lord, I don't want to say, could you wait a little bit longer? But Lord, I join the voice of the revelator and I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. We don't want to be out of your presence any longer than we have to be. We want to be where you are. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Well, I'm ready to go to sermon number two now. But can I just mention three things to you quick? I'm not going to hold you forever. But that day I just poured over that verse of Scripture. And God put so many things into me that day that, that helped me. In a time when that I was dealing with anxiety, my mind was busy with, how's this going to go? How's this going to turn out? How's the ministers going to make it? How's the churches going to make it? God, who do I know that's going to die from this health crisis going on? Dealing with all those perplexities. God just spoke this to me. And I saw this is my hope. And can I tell you today, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, this promise is your hope. Because as long as I have the hope of the return of Jesus Christ in my heart, my brothers and my sisters, I can face anything that's going to come into the world today because it keeps my mind secure. Knowing what is to come in the future keeps my mind secure today. I'm not going to walk around with fear and anxiety and dread and doubt and worry. You see, those things are not the mind of Christ. And the word of God tells us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're to practice the mind of Christ. And when we walk around with fear and dread and worry and anxiety and all we're slurping up is the negatives and the leftovers of life, it's not the mind of Christ. As a matter of fact, I would say that that's the mind of Antichrist. 
And I would say that that's the mind and the spirit of a world that's going to accept the reign and the rule of the Antichrist. That's why we can't let our minds be there. We must let our mind be upon the Word of God. We must focus on what sort of things are good and true and just and honest and lovely and of a good report and, and virtuous and praiseworthy. And when we think on these things, we find that our mind is secure and we're established and we walk through this world today with faith and confidence in Jesus Christ knowing that God has all things in control and nothing can thwart the plan of God. It's my hope. And it's my prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let me challenge you. Don't let yourself be so adjusted to the darkness of this world Can I tell you something? There's a difference between being adjusted and able to walk in darkness because your eyes are adjusted to darkness and truly walking in the light. I pray that the church walks in the light while we have the light. I pray that the church walks in the light of God's word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that we walk in the light of God's word. But you know where the vast majority of churchmen are today? It's, it's not that they're walking in the light. It's that they're walking with their eyes adjusted to the darkness. Now, every once in a while, I have to get up in the middle of the night. You older men, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes I have to get up in the middle of the night, and and I got to tell you, I travel a lot. I'm in hotels in different towns because I'm doing business in different areas of the of the region. Sometimes I'm in my bed in Falmouth. Sometimes I'm in my bed in North Carolina. There have been times I woke up in the night and said, "Okay, where in the world am I right now?" What town am I in right now? I got to get up, but I can't remember. I, I'm just foggy. I'm, I'm hazy. I don't. I don't know where I'm at. I, need, I know I need to get up. I, I know I need to get over to the restroom, but I don't know where it is right now. And if I was to get up in that state, chances are I'd bump my toe on the post of the bed, and that would try my sanctification. I don't want to jump up too quick. Well, I'd trip over a pair of pants and lay the floor, and that would make my wife mad. Hurt me too. And so what I've learned to do is just kind of lay there for a minute. And if I lay there for a minute, my eyes, pupils dilate. And my eyes take in light from all kinds of sources that may be from outside or a nightlight in another part of the house, wherever it is. And if I lay there, my pupils dilate, and I can actually see in the darkness. I can't see perfectly. But I can see enough to navigate around obstacles and pitfalls to get where I need to go. Can I tell you that's what's happened in the church today? Is that so many have abandoned walking in the light because they let their eyes just get adjusted to the dark. My brothers and my sisters, God never called us to get adjusted to the dark. He called us to walk in the light. And on top of that, he called us to be the light. So my prayer is even so come, Lord Jesus. I don't want to be in this world any longer than I have to be. But here, let me close with this. It is also the greatest promise that you will ever receive. Jesus said, 
in John, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. But I go, personal departure, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will, personal return, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can I tell you something? My promise is, is that when I leave this world by way of rapture or by way of death, that my Lord over 2,000 years ago departed this earth to go prepare a place for me in heaven that where he is, I will be with him forever. Amen. I heard, <laughs> I heard, I, well, I've heard it several times through the years from old timers. Now, I don't know if you're an old timer yet or not, but here we go. I've heard some of the old timers say, just give me a little cabin on the backside of the hills of heaven. My Lord, if that's all you want, you're shooting awful low. Because if it only took him six days to create everything that he created, and he's been working on a place for us for over 2,000 years, can you imagine what it's going to be like? I have gone to prepare a place for you so that you can be in my personal presence with me forever. Oh, I can only imagine. Brothers and sisters, I could preach about heaven. I could preach about the streets of gold and the gates of pearl and the walls of jasper. I could preach about the crystal river. I could talk about Jesus being the light. I could talk about the throne of God that sits in the midst of the city. I could talk about the elders' thrones that sit about the throne of God. I could talk about the angels that fly to and fro, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I could preach about heaven. But I want to tell you what makes it heaven for me is the fact that I'm going to look at him. He who saved me when I was a boy, and he who has kept me saved through all my life, he who gave his life when he didn't have to, but gave his life because he loved me so, I get to see him. And that's what's going to make it heaven to me. Folks, he's coming again. Let's not get away from that. In the New Testament, they had a, a way of greeting one another. Now, don't greet me like this. Our culture is different. But they greeted each other with a holy kiss and said, Maranatha, which means our Lord is coming. We ought to greet one another with those words. I don't want no man slobbering on me. And I don't want another woman slobbering on me. My wife wouldn't like that. But I think we ought to tell one another, our Lord is coming. Stay encouraged. Stay hope-filled. Keep your eyes ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Live circumspectly because he is coming again. Let that hope be in you. Let me pray for you. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. 
And I give you praise and glory for who you are. And I bring to you thanksgiving for all that you have done. I recognize today, Father, that you are God and there is no other. And that no man, no power, no false God. And there is no other. No one can pull you from your seat of authority. I know that your word is established and settled forever. And we can stand upon your word. Father, I pray that this word which you have given me to invest in the lives of this people would bring forth a mighty harvest in their lives. A harvest of hope, courage, faith, would produce through them a testimony that would be as a fire shut up in their bones. That they could not help but speak of the things, oh God, that you have in store for them and what you have done for them. Give this people a vibrancy of faith, oh Lord God, that is transparent and that it spreads from person to person. Father, I pray now for this church family, this church body. I thank you for its past. But, Father, I pray now for an expectant future full of hope and joy and celebration when possible. Father, I pray for the sounds of newborn babes being born in the altars of this church as men and women come to faith in Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that men and women would be sanctified by the blood and through the word of Jesus Christ to live holy. I pray for men and women and children to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the gifts of the Spirit evident in their lives. I pray, Father, huh, I pray, Father, for the calling of the Lord to rest upon many people that enter into this church and they would go forth from this church with the calling of God burning upon them and that they would be fruitful. I pray for healings. I pray for miracles and signs and wonders of Almighty God to be wrought in this place. I pray for the unity of the Spirit. Cooperation guided by the Holy Spirit. As together they work and they labor, they serve to bring glory to your name. Oh, Spirit of God, let us be a people that are open to hearing your direction, your way, your tactics, your plans, and let us lead, follow as you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.